How is everybody doing today? Good to know. <laughs> I want to speak from Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, which is very famous because it says, Jesus is telling to his disciples, you are the light of the world. This passage comes in a very important part of the scripture, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, which is called the Sermon on the Mount. If you have a friend and who doesn't know about the Bible and ask you, I want to know about the Bible, ask them to read the Bible. And they'll say, oh, it's a pretty long book. Old Testament is pretty, probably boring. And you would say, all right, don't read the whole Bible. Just read the New Testament. And they said, oh, that's pretty long too. I don't want to read that. Then you would say, read Gospel of John. And they said, mm, I don't think I have time even for that. <laughs> you tell them to read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It is hard of the Christian message. It is heart of the Bible. It is an essence summarizes the teaching of Jesus and Christian faith. That passage is, this part of the Bible is very important to me. Well, I want to mention about a Hindu man who was called in Reno, Nevada, on a National Day of Prayer on July 12, 2007. It was a day of National Day of Prayer, and he was called to give an invocation. And in part of his prayer, this is what he quoted from old, ancient, Indian, Sanskrit literature called Brihad Aranyaka Upanishad. It is about written about 700 years before Christian era, means before Jesus Christ. I think it was contemporary writing with the book of Isaiah, or book of Jeremiah probably. This is what he quote from that Upanishad in Sanskrit. Asadoma sadgamaya, tamasoma jyotirgamaya, rutyurma amrutam gamaya. Basically he said in English, Lead me from the untruth to truth. Lead me from darkness to light. Lead me from death to immortality. Why am I quoting this? This is very important part of the Indian scripture. Very important, very close to Indian heart. One billion people today, even more. People in school, the children in school recite this prayer. Many people memorize this. Probably my grandfather, their fathers, their fathers, probably memorized this prayer. They recited this prayer again and again, probably. Because it is an Indian longing. It is a spiritual quest that one day somebody, something, some truth will bring them from the darkness to light, from death to immortality, 
and from untruth to truth. Well, Jesus in the passage in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. I think he looked at his disciples particularly when he was speaking this passage. You are the light of the world. Peter was listening proudly, Andrew, Thomas, and all other disciples listening, looking at each other. Did Jesus mean it? You are the light of the world. Peter would look at Andrew. Do I look like to you? I am a light of the world. Andrew would be looking at Peter or Thomas and with the same surprise. Jesus had this habit of people who were undeserving and bringing them to a higher level. Peter understood that this term was exclusive for the priest, for the rabbis. People would comment and compliment to rabbi. Rabbi, your wisdom was so good. It's so good. You are light of the world. You are light to us today. It is a very common compliment that rabbi were receiving. The background goes back to the book of Isaiah, where this compliment was exclusive to a certain group of people. And here, Jesus is removing that exclusivity and bringing it to very common, unlearned, simpleton, fishermen, and tells them, you are the light of the world. It was a declarative statement, clear and direct, precise, unambiguous. You are the light of the world. Jesus had this habit of doing it a number of times. He tells simple people and brings them to a higher level. He tells this widow about the widows. He, say, he said that she is the most generous woman. He tells about the children who were nuisance in that culture because they were disturbing the worship service. And Jesus tells them, let them come unto me, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus does this again and again. He is lifting the weak, the powerless, and giving them the power. Here we see that Jesus is telling the disciples, you are light of the world. Jesus later on tells Peter that Peter, you are this Patras. Peter means Patras. Patras means rock in Greek. Peter his original name was Simon. Simon Peter, on this rock, on you, on your faith, on your confession, I'm going to build my church. And Peter might be feeling not called for that. And we see in the history that yes, Peter became the solid rock for the church. Jesus did that again and again, bringing weak people and bringing them to a higher ground. But disciples being the light, where did that light come from? That light come from Jesus himself. John chapter 8, verse 12, 12, Jesus says, I am light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light that disciples had was not their own. 
It was coming from Jesus. It was because they were spending time with Jesus. They were closer with Jesus. And that's why they were able to get that light. That's why they can be the light to other people. The source of the light is Jesus himself. Jesus is like the sun. And we all, like the disciples, are like the moonlight. The moonlight doesn't have its own source of light. It gets its source of light from somewhere else. We cannot be proud. Disciples cannot be proud. I am the light of the world. Because the light, it's God's. And glory goes to God and God alone. The passage that we read, it says, you are the light of the world. You is plural. It's nominative, second person plural. I like Greek, by the way. (laughs) And I want to make sure that this is what it says. I was in New Orleans and they they had a term for plural you. You know that. It's called (laughs) y'all. They would say y'all are the light of the world. It's plural. It's the church. It's the body of Christ. We together are the light of the world. We together are the powerhouse. We cannot be light on our own. When we are together as a church, as a body of Christ, when we unite our hands together in prayer, when we break the bread together, we become very strong and we have power to do good together. Church is very important. Body of Christ is important. I dare not skip it as much as possible. Except I'm sick, so I will not be contagious to other people. (laughs) I learned this about the church from my parents. They learned it from, my father learned it from his parents. And they learned from their parents. They were living very far from church. They were living in a countryside. For them, going to church, the church was about 10 o'clock in the morning. They would start walking about like 5 o'clock in the morning. Woke up four, wake up 4 o'clock, prepare breakfast and lunch, pack it, start walking. On the way about probably 8 or 9 o'clock, they would have their breakfast somewhere under the tree. They would walk for church, attend the church service, enjoy the fellowship of the believers, and go back. When they go back, open their lunch bags again, have their lunch, probably at their home, four o'clock or five o'clock in the evening. This was their daily, regular, uh, weekly regular routine. Church was important to them. It takes me five minutes to come to church. I live very close by. <laughs> And I drive. (laughs) They didn't have that facility. What an honor, what a privilege that we have. Place to worship. Everybody doesn't have that honor and privilege. Church is important. Getting together as body of Christ is important. A church father said, extra ecclesium. Nulla salus. Without 
church, there is no salvation. Some people would agree with me, some people would not. I happen to believe it. Church is the source of light. Church is the source of salvation. Church is the source of truth. There's another source of truth. The word of God tells us in Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Beautiful words, right? That's a beautiful verse from Psalm. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is telling us, we read today, word of God. And I like our liturgy a lot because in liturgy you will read again and again the quotation of the scripture. Many times me and my wife sit there in the back and we look at each other whenever we read in the liturgy about the quotation of the Bible verses. It's so enlightening. It's so uplifting. His word is the source of knowledge, truth, and light. In that verse, there's a word called path. My last name is Patek, which comes from Indo-European language groups, Sanskrit. Patek means a traveler, a person who travels along the path with a purpose. And sometimes I remind myself, you Patek, you traveler, remember, there is no light without God's word. Because thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. My friends, we have three sources of light. Church, Christ, and the word. And we, it's important that we together remain in that word. John 15 tells, Jesus is telling, without remaining me, remaining, remaining in me, you cannot do he is calling us that we will remain in God's word. Now, what it means to be light and salt in the world in a real sense. Let me just quote you or mention you one or two stories only. William Carey, who came from England in India in about late 70s. He was in India for a few years. He was visiting a village in the countryside, and he, he saw something which was shocking that he had never seen or heard before. He saw a woman set ablaze with the dead body of her husband. It was a practice called sati, which was practiced for centuries. William Carey could not look at it. He protested. He tried to stop it. But that was happening throughout India. This was everyday, normal, common practice where a woman is set ablaze with the dead body of her husband. Because when a husband dies in a culture of India at that time, woman doesn't have any right, doesn't have any freedom. No right to remarry. She was 
the women were in the bondage of the culture. Even though sometimes the ladies did not want to die with their husband, they better do it because the culture is not going to accept them after that. Well, William Carey fought against this kind of evil. And he was successful in abolishing the sati in 1829. That's what it means to be light of the world. A dark corner where somebody sees darkness and evil practice and fight against it. There were other evil practices in India called dudpiti, meaning milk drinking, literally speaking. Female were not preferred, the boys were preferred. And female infanticide was very normal and common. We don't want this daughter, so let her drink milk. Put her in a tub of milk, so she can drink milk. It was drowning by putting in a milk. And so many other practices like that were abolished. Jesus is the light of the world. We are light of the world. When we together as body of Christ, we can make changes in the world around us. Small change, big change. Here, abroad where there is strong need of light. Amen.